Hi, and welcome to our podcast, There's No Business Like No Business. We'll have conversations with all types of people in the live events industry to see what's been going on, or not, over the last year, and what hopefully we'll be looking forward to soon. We'll expand this a bit to see how the COVID downturn has affected our friends in the worlds of performing arts, travel, and hospitality. As a matter of fact, we'll talk to just about anyone. Here to guide us along the way are your hosts, Dave Eveson and Andrew Douglas. Good afternoon, Dave Eveson. How are you today? I am, <laughs> I'm going to be like you. I am fantastic, sir. Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> I'm glad you got the fantastic in early. I, when I, when I listened to the last one, I actually realized that I was chastising you for using fantastic and I had just used fantastic. <laughs> and, and then as soon as I got off the show, I went upstairs and I sprayed the counter with fantastic. fantastic. Isn't that great? There you go. We are. And you we made are... dinner and Belinda said it was. Okay. <laughs> It. It, was, it was only okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm recycling a lot of dinners around here. I tell you, it's the same 60, 70 different dinners. I you know, did you want your chicken with ketchup tonight or HP I'm sure sauce? That's a, that's a winner. Well, I just yeah, like your there's we're we're there's nobody in the family that is ketchup anymore. Like it used to be, ketchup on everything would work. Now, right. now, no, you've over-sauteed those onions, and I think you burnt the garlic. It's like, are you friggin' kidding me? Here, have some ketchup. Yeah. Yes. Well, it, we're still a ketchup household with Maddox. I don't, I generally don't touch the stuff, but Maddox will have it with anything. What do you do if you have fries? Uh, I don't, I just eat fries straight up. Believe it or not, occasionally if there's, somebody else has ranch you do it Paula Abdul style, straight up. <laughs> there's a lot of people that, that are under 50, let's say, under 40, that, that are scratching that their head. Right going, over their what heads, the right? heck are they talking What's, about? And who, and who is Paula? Paula who? Yeah. Well, she used, to, she used to judge some dance show, and I think True. she still tours. Well, so, so does Foreigner, but that doesn't mean... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was that was bad. That was uh, a, that, my apologies to, to, to foreigner. foreigner. What's the uh, I saw what's you the on a corporate show? Yeah, Journey. They were great. That's there. Yeah. If there's one band I want to see, it's Journey with with the uh, the the guy from uh, the Philippines. Yes, we we went and saw them a few years ago. It was it was right back to the '80s because it was it was Def Leppard and Journey opened for them, and. Steve Smith has still got it, though. He is mm -hmm. just such a fantastic drummer. Really, he went into this drum solo, and that was the best part of seeing Journey because they didn't really have it all together that night. I think it was close to the end of the tour. Did you ever see uh, Rush? Did you ever see Neil's 18-minute? Yeah. Uh, that is insane. Oh, here, here's something for you because we, we just kind of invent as we go, right, on this podcast. It's just... Yes. Uh, so I was listening to CBC Radio, and they were talking about a band um, out of, I believe it's Oshawa, who did uh, kind of a cover Rush cover band deal, and they actually are amazing musicians, and they started creating their own kind of Rush sound. And they, they've got uh, an album out, and if you listen to it, you can just kind of hear the vibe and the drummer is like a, a protege Neil Peart guy, so they've got they got noticed by the Rush's management last year, and they said, you know, we really like what you're doing. Do you want to come down and uh, we'll we'll record some stuff with you? And it turned out that they really liked it, and they said, okay, we're going to help you with an album. They go down to Nashville. I believe it was Nashville, and recorded their album in uh, the studio that Rush recorded their first album, and, or first three albums, and then they ended up using Neil Peart's studio kit in 
that studio. Isn't that crazy? Like, can you imagine wow. being, I'm just a Rush cover band from Oshawa and look what happens. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I guess it's also, you know, it's, it, it's a testament to them that they were ready for that opportunity. And I, I know that, unfortunately, we've probably just dropped a bunch of listeners who don't like, you know, aren't big Rush fans. There are a lot of people who don't like Rush, and there's a lot of people who yeah. like Rush. But sometimes they just go, oh, it's Rush, and then they'll click the channel, and other people turn it up on the way up to the cottage, start banging their head back and forth, singing along to Tom Sawyer. I do have to say that I'm selective with my Rush. I cannot go through uh, an album start to finish Right. There are skips in there. Uh, I can't do every every Rush song. But you should get a new album am... if it's skipping. Sorry. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's going to be one of those days. It, it is. I think we need some, some new leadership on this podcast. <laughs> well, I think a direction would help. And I find that, that having somebody who's hosted kind of stuff before always helps with, with these kind of podcasts that just drift around because there is no direction. And I, I know no one better at that than our next guest who, who's actually up. Do you mind if I just read this intro? I, I think I know where you're going with this. I see what you did there. Yeah. yeah you like that? Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this is the part of the, uh, it always seems to be me introducing people very poorly on written paper. Is that right? Written paper? On paper, on paper, I've written down the intro, and I'm going to give it a shot, and sometimes I just have to re-record it later. So that's, that's right. it's becoming well, it's my mantra. It's part of mantra. my contract. It it's is. It's part of my contract not to. Yes. Okay. You may have well, to rewrite my contract, but anyway. <laughs> Well, hopefully I can write it as badly as I've written this. Um, our guest today is one of North America's most sought-after corporate event hosts. He started his career as a comic magician, working comedy clubs and dinner theaters. Due to his quick wit and style, combined with his business background, he was soon getting offers to host and MC corporate events. He developed a late-night talk show format for the corporate market using humor, music, and interviews with clients rather than PowerPoint presentations. It's called The Pretty Late Show with Mike Carboni. Now, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but uh, it became very popular uh, amongst meeting planners and event producers. The popularity of his format spawned other variations like CNN, Conference News Network, and Live and Interactive. He's traveled the world hosting events for Fortune 500 companies in just about every industry sector imaginable. Mike has taken his hosting skills and his live talk show format online during the past year. However, just like most people, he really misses being able to walk out on stage in front of a live audience. Please welcome Mike the Complete Package Carboni. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Welcome, Mark. Hello, Look Mike. Look at us. How Look are at... you guys? We are sweet. First of all, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm thrilled to be uh, a guest on your podcast. Um, I listened to it. And uh, when you asked me if I'd like to, you know, record an episode, I was, I was flattered. I, I couldn't believe it. I went, wow, they must value my opinion on things to have me on as a guest. And I thought, wow, yes, I'm going to, I'd love to do that. And then the more I started thinking about it, I, I started thinking, well, this is a podcast about having no business and no work. And I could just see you guys sitting around going, hey, uh, who could we get uh, that hasn't been, been out of the basement for a year and a half? I know, let's call Mike Carboni. <laughs> so it's kind of a backward compliment, but in any rate, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, it's great to have you. It's great to have you. I, I thought we were just going through the alphabet at that point, and we said, hey, does, do you know anybody with like an M or a C? I said, Mark, no, my, Mike, Mike Carboni. Yeah, okay, let's do, let's do one with it. Let's, let's yeah. co- reach out. Right. And there yeah, you he's are. probably sitting at home. Yeah. I, f- <laughs> I, find this, I find this very odd. And, and the reason is, obviously, that Andrew and I are front of house people. We operate lights, and we sit there and watch you on stage do your interviews, do your, the magic that you do up on stage. And for us to be interviewing you is like a 360. I think it'd be great if you had a lighting board right now and just didn't, didn't talk. <laughs> and right. Andrew and I just talked. To <laughs> Missed two or three cues just because, you know. <laughs> just, just because. Oh, did I not light Mike when he came out on stage? Light the podium. Light the podium. Light the podium. <laughs> Value, go. 
but well, we, we've I, known each we've known each other for for so many years going back oh man so I, such I a long say, long time and we'd pop up you know and I, a lot of times i wouldn't even know you guys would be on the show and because uh, i'm involved with the crew to some degree but also i don't get a, always you know choose the crew or whatever i'm hired by production companies etc so we've known each other for so long and it is odd to be sitting in the other chair now you know and it's going Dave, yeah get out of my chair Andrew. Of my what are you chair. doing <laughs> but i'm happy i'm happy to try this out part of the uh, kind of my selfish reason why sometimes i like to see you on the show was that when you came out like you were doing your uh music of your life you were doing that for a while, mm-hmm. and I knew that uh, you'd be working our audio guy to the bone because he'd have to stop and start, and his timing was like. And I would just have to like deck, as you would just do the whole thing, and it. And I would just, oh great, it's Mike. I don't have to do anything for the next five minutes, and but but it, it always I always get a good giggle uh, thinking back on on the days when when you were doing a lot of that comedy stuff you're more i find more doing the hosting uh and doing these interviews from the chair and i don't know how you do that that's another topic for five or ten minutes from now but uh i still remember that it was the award shows where you'd come out in the audience and you'd pick somebody and they they would have to answer a question and you had dinner for two and you you would give them their <laughs> dinner for two and it was it was a box of of craft dinner and i th- these little goofy things where oh i don't know i still laugh over it whenever i see boil- a box of craft dinner i think of carboni boil it up with someone you love you know <laughs> <laughs> but that was the thing it's it's uh, a lot of the audiences are salespeople, and salespeople are used to getting free stuff right they're used to getting everything for free and and they privileged and they've seen a lot and they've done a lot and so I went exactly the opposite way that, you know, planners would say, well, we, we can't give them, so we'll have to give them at least a $100 prize. And I'd say, no, that, that defeats the, the purpose of this, and that is to give them a gag pr- a prize and to make it funny and to make it fun, you know? So you'd give them stuff like rubber gloves and stuff, you know? You go, hey, you never know. You never know, you know? You know what you're going to pay the crew? Just give them that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I always try to, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot more, uh, especially now that everything's virtual, but uh, a lot more moderating and, and sort of hosting. But I never get too far from the fun and the humor and, the, and to making it light. You know, I, I, I've pushed that my whole career. It's just why are you taking all these people down to Florida, your top guys, and you're going to stick them in a ballroom and bore the crap out of them? Why not make it fun for them? Same information, same exactly. Uh, just make it fun and palatable for them. So that's kind of been my my moniker that I've sort of always tried to keep in my sights. Is, is it fun? Can we make it fun? Why isn't it fun? I don't really know, even though we've, you know, maybe it's the amount of beverages we've had at, at bars <laughs> over the years that I've never stopped long enough to say, where did you come from? Like, <laughs> who are you before, you before you became Mike Carboni of the stage? Well, I... I was born a young man, and I, I grew up in the Sudbury area of all places, which is Sudbury is in northern Ontario in Canada. And I grew up in a little town outside of Sudbury called Creighton Mine. And it was a, it was a, a town put together by Inco, International Nickel Company. Uh, and it was, a nickel, it was a nickel town. They were miners. And so it's the middle of nowhere, right? Anyway, I, 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 my background is as a young magician. I was a boy magician. I got a magic kit. Every magician will tell you the same story. On your eighth birthday, you get a magic kit because you got to get them something. And you didn't realize. And most people play with a few tricks and then toss it away. And I, I was fascinated by it. So I started learning tricks. And, and I really liked magic. And I started going to the libraries because there was no YouTube back then. You know, you couldn't go online and figure something out. There's no magic shops to buy anything. And I put together this little magic show and started doing birthday parties and Boy Scout banquets and stuff like that, always wanting to perform. And that carried on. And then when, when I went to, uh, to university in Ottawa, the nation's capital, uh, their comedy clubs were really popping up everywhere. This was in the mid to late 70s. So comedy clubs were everywhere was comedy clubs. It was just hitting its stride. And so I thought, well, what if these tricks were funny? What if you made all this magic and made it fun? So I worked on a funny magic uh, act. And then I started hosting. And I really liked hosting and introducing other acts. I didn't want to be the big feature act. I wanted to be the host who would introduce the feature act and come back at the end of it. And I wanted to be that guy. And that's really what started my 
uh, hosting in the corporate world because then corporations started saying, hey, well, we'd like to have you at our banquet. Why don't you come at our, you know, closing night and stuff like that. And and that's what I did. And then gradually I just started doing more hosting and more emceeing and developed other kinds of content for those corporate audiences. What, what, what were you doing in university? Were you at Carleton or...? or Yep, Carleton. I, I was uh, doing a, a bachelor. I was getting an undergraduate. I got a, a degree in uh, psychology with a minor in law. I was going to go to law school. Wow. Yeah, and then this comedy club start <laughs> popping up, and I went, "That's way more fun than yeah. you know seven more years of school. <laughs> you can go on stage, make people laugh, meet chicks. Hey, I'm going to go and do that, you know." And so that that's what I did. So I kind of said, "Well, I'll I'll do it for a while. See see what happens." And you were working on your Urana, Urana. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out of order. You're out of order. <laughs> but exactly. question there: how how did you make that transition from the comedy club to the corporate hosting side? Was this somebody who watched your act at at a comedy club and said, "Hey, we're doing this thing over here. Uh, we'd love to have you," or we, did did it come through another avenue, a friend of a friend, or a contact, or how did that happen? It, it was both, Andrew. Mostly, uh, it came through agents. Agents. I was represented by a number of agents. Uh, I, I was living in Toronto. I still live in Toronto, and uh, you know, every agent. You go to every agent and you show them what you got, and they book you, and you 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 end up in the days of the comedy club. You end up working you know, every kind of imaginable gig you could, biker bars and chicken wing night and <laughs> karaoke night, like anywhere that, you know, we'd say Tuesday nights, uh, chicken wings and comedy. And people would be there for the chicken wings and then you'd get up and have to, you know, <laughs> try and pry them away from their chicken wings. Try and, and dodge, the, <clears throat> dodge the chicken wings? The bones, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that so then I, I started answering your question. So I, the agents would then say, well, you know, this corporate client is having a, a, a conference or a dinner or whatever, and they're having a, a dinner at six, and they want you to do your show at eight thirty. Would you you know can you do that? I said sure. So I would go and do these, and then people would come up to me, get delegates, people at the thing. Sometimes people would come up to me. And they'd say, hey, that was a really fun show. We could have used you here during the daytime. We had like a, two days of really boring meetings. And I went, oh, well, that's We could use bad. some chicken wings. <laughs> yeah. Either you or the chicken wings, and frankly, you're cheaper than the chicken wings, so come on. So I thought, well, hey, maybe there's an opportunity there. Why, why, do, why are they bringing these people, you know, to the, these meetings and boring the hell out of them for, two hour, for uh, an afternoon and then have a banquet and then the fun guy comes out? I said, what does the fun happen during the, the meeting? So I started to develop ideas for, for that. And I've always loved talk shows. I've, I've loved watching Letterman. It was a huge, huge, huge influence and uh, hero of mine. Johnny Carson, to a large degree. I loved the fact that they were hosting. They weren't the stars of the show. They were the hosts. And I said, that's what I would like to do. And so I developed uh, a product called, at the time, The Talk Show. And I printed up some promo and I had the idea of that, you know, the guests are the people who would otherwise be PowerPoint presentation behind the, the podium. And at first, there was a lot of trepidation to say, hey, whoa, whoa, we're a serious business. We can't be having fun. You know, we're, we're, we take it very seriously. And you go, you guys make chocolate chip cookies. How serious are you about your product? Come on. It's a cookie. Have some fun, you know. Let's go in and tour the factory. Let's see them coming off the line. Let's interview the workers. Let's, let's do all that crazy stuff. Kind of Letterman-esque, you know, where you'd go to places. And that's, that's what, what I started to do. And so then corporations very apprehensively said, okay, well, we'll try you in the morning. And, and it just it kind of took off and they realized, hey, this actually does work. You know, we can have a lot of fun um, during these daytime meetings. So I went from the evening shows to, to, to doing morning, morning shows, essentially. How did the clients react the first time you ran out of the ballroom to the convenience store around the corner to talk to the, the owner? Uh, well, when they'd walk into the show, very often, like the set would be different because it would be a talk show desk and a, a skyline and a band would be playing and they're going, we're at the wrong meeting. We're at the wrong meeting. We're, we're, we're supposed to be at the boring meeting with the podium and the, and the PowerPoint. Well, where's that meeting? And we'd say, no, you're not getting that this time. Uh, so they would, they, would, uh, they would come along. It would take you a couple of minutes to let them know that it was very much tongue in cheek 
And, you know, I, I would play it like we're going live to air. You are the studio audience. The more you clap, the more the people at home watching are going to hear this. And then they would come along for the ride and they'd go, OK, we'll, we'll play your, your little fantasy, you know. And, and it, it just worked. It, 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 they just bought into it. And, and, and they would, they would, the biggest compliment you get is, you know, I, I'd, I'd do a show and then someone would come up, inevitably would come up and say, hey, man, that was fun. You should have your own show. <laughs> and I and I'd look at them and I'd I'd say oh thanks inside I'm going I just did my, did own, my own show, show. <laughs> you just saw it what are you talking about well a lot of, I, I assume a lot of the business came from like when we do our events in these big conference halls yeah. and in uh, hotels where you have an adjacent ballroom and those yeah. poor people in the other rooms getting some of these straightforward PPT presentations would hear this ruckus, this roaring laughter from next door. And yeah. you probably got a lot of business just from people kind of, what's going on in there? And they open it up yeah. and ladies and gentlemen, Mike Carboni. It's like, write that name down quick. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you're right, Dave. I got, I actually got a lot of gigs and leads by doing that where one show would be loading out like or it would be loading in ready to come in after our show and i'd be doing like a closing game show or something like that where it was high energy and music and funny and giving away prizes and there was energy in the room and they were they, you know the audiences were really pumped up and energetic and everything and it, it's happened more than once where the, the producer of the show just came and said, who's doing this? Like, who is that guy? Right, and right. let's get that information because, you know, they, they were loading in a show that maybe had some stuff like that. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. But, yeah, that's the way it happens. That's like being a goalie in hockey. Like, I, I've played goal before many times, and I would be right at the end of the game, and the other team would come up to me. The next team on the ice would go, we don't have a goalie for our... Could you, <laughs> could you play one more game, please? <laughs> <laughs> there's 30 bucks in it for you. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> 25 bucks in all the beer you can drink afterwards. <laughs> it's time to give out some culinary love. Today's shout out goes to Yamashiro Hollywood. There's nothing quite like enjoying sushi and sake while looking out over the lights of Los Angeles from the famed 100 plus year old Yamashiro in the Hollywood Hills. Excellent food and spectacular views. For more information on Yamashiro, visit yamashirohollywood.com. So where were we? You were you were in Ottawa, and uh, and and you made the big jump from Ottawa to Toronto. Yes, I packed up my van and my Dove Act and my you know suitcase of tricks and everything, and I said I'm going to hit the comedy circuit and and. Uh, and do this being a lawyer i'm out of order you're out of order can wait just a little bit longer for me you know so that's what i did i i, I moved to toronto not knowing the city at all and got an apartment and uh and then just hustled just went to every agent tried to get representation tried to get booked at every nightclub and as i said earlier you just end up getting the most bizarre gigs you know and i remember one comes to mind one memorable memorable gig was uh, for a uh, um, show bands were kind of popular back at that this this is the early 80s so show bands were still pretty popular where you go to a nightclub and they'd do a show with you know a certain amount of acting on on stage where they would do a tribute to the four seasons or whatever and there was this a band a group out of montreal called review masquerade review masquerade and it was essentially a lip sync show where these guys would get dressed up, all guys, they would get dressed up as like Liza Minnelli and, and, uh, and they would do lip sync to, you know, uh, these Broadway hits and stuff. And it was actually, they were actually very good. <laughs> and the host of that show uh, was, a, was a comedian and he said, Mike, I, I've got to take a break from the show, but I think you'd be a good fill for this. You'd be a good fit. You want to take over and finish this tour for me. And... I'm hungry for gigs. I mean, yeah, yes. Are you kidding me? This was a next step up, you know, regular gigs. So the, the agent booked us for a number of gigs, usually one week. But one time he sent us up to Hearst, Ontario, which is way northern Ontario. So I go up there and it's a two-week gig because it's so far. The agent said, I'm going to book you guys for two weeks at this hotel. Well, Hearst is not a big place. 
So the first night we go out, I'm doing my emceeing, I'm doing my routines, I'm introducing all this stuff. It goes great. You know, they, they love it. They've never seen anything like that. So then the second night, I look out in the audience and it's the same audience. <laughs> and I'm thinking, holy smokes, <laughs> I, I, I got the same show, you know, like I had limited material. I, I didn't have seven different shows that I could do for the different show. And so got a less response on the Tuesday night. By Thursday and Friday, they were calling out my lines. They oh, were talking no. because they had seen everything because it was the same show. You know, we heard that one. I go, I know, but this is my show. <laughs> I could not wait to get out of Hearst, Ontario. Oh, my God. You can actually this... say shit on this show, by the way. Okay. I, like, they... I liked how you circumvented that. But, but there, is, <laughs> there is, we, we have, for some reason, uh, when, when you publish the podcast, you can say, is it? Is it explicit? No. Or is it rated G, you know, family? And, and so I just, whatever the check mark is, I don't even know if anybody listens to these, quite frankly. So no. it doesn't really and matter. And it's strange because e even though we promote the use of uh, yeah. foul language on the show, it, <laughs> it's rare. It yeah. really is. I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe we're all thinking that our, our moms have to listen to it. Well, I just don't think anybody swears in front of us. Like, they usually go, who the hell are those guys? Later. <laughs> Later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'll, I'll put a beep in that and just keep it nice and clean. But uh, yeah. I, th I think, it, like, usually one a show, somebody says something with a, a, good, a good hard word. But, you know... Um, when you work in the corporate market, as I focused on so much, uh, you know, in the last 20 yeah, plus years, for sure. you gotta really watch what you say and think, and you can't do anything political because you don't know and you don't do anything religious. And, you know, I made those mistakes early on and now someone brings up, you know, uh, a religious issue or something like that. And I just, I get the blank stare on me and I go, yeah, I know, I hear you. <laughs> You know, that's, that's all I say. Yeah. I go, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. Because yeah. uh -uh. it, be, it must be getting harder and harder. Like, it's, to be politically correct now, it must be very tough. I can imagine the tap dance that you have to do on the corporate client end. Uh, I, I've, I, I, don't, I've, I have not found it to be a big problem, quite frankly. You know, like you'll always run into somebody who's oh, super sensitive about something. And, but once they get to know you, that they, they realize that, you know what, you're not a bad guy. You, you don't have a hidden agenda. You're not trying to make them see things your way. And you're respectful of their opinion and you don't judge them. And it's just common sense, really, you know. Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I would do that to anybody, you know, rather if I'm in a show or not. Um, you, you just sort of show them a little bit of respect and you think, well, that's, you're entitled to your opinion. It's wrong, but you have an opinion. That's fine. You know, um, <laughs> are you, when you go to a company, are you given like a list of things that you cannot mention? Sometimes, sometimes they'll say, you know, if they've, if they've had a, a new leader come in and clean shop or something, they'll, they'll say this is really sensitive. So, but Working in that market, you kind of know that you're not going to do anything silly anyway, you know. Uh, as I said, for the most part, most corporate clients get what you do. They trust you. They go, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Every once in a while, you'll 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 hit something that's really sensitive or, you know, they've had a lot of layoffs or, you know, um, and, and you, you do this enough times, you know what you can get away with and what you're not going to do. I used to, they would, some clients would want to see every single word that I would say. And I would right. say, well, I don't yeah. script my interview verbatim. I'm, I'm chatting the way we are now. I'm not reading off a script and we're talking, right? But I kind of know you're not going to ask me anything embarrassing, at least I hope. And I'm not going to say anything embarrassing either. It's kind of a, a mutual understanding. So uh, sometimes, uh, you know, they'll say, well, you want to see your full script. And I'd leave stuff out on purpose because I know if they just read it on paper, it's never going to fly. But if I do it uh, with the with the with the delivery and the intention and, and the tone in which I'm going to deliver it, it's going to be fine. And it usually is. In fact, it always is, for the most part. Sometimes, well, not often, but <laughs> you know what I mean. You just yeah. you, you just. You just learn that the, some things are cool and other things are not cool to say. I, I was listening to, I don't know if you've, um, what's the uh, Smartless podcast? Oh, yeah, I like that, that. That is a lot of fun, that one. And and they had Colbert 
uh, on Stephen as a Colbert, guest, yeah. Stephen Colbert. And I had no idea, but they were talking to him about Stephen Colbert, the guy, versus Stephen Colbert, the night show host. The character. The character. And, yeah. and he went on to explain that the person that comes out on the show is not Stephen Colbert, the guy who drives his car to the show that he is actually playing Stephen Colbert, the night show host. And I found that bizarre. I was kind of taken back because I just thought, what you're listening to is Stephen Colbert. And, mm. uh, and in fact, character. it's his character. And I'm just mm-hmm. wondering, like, you know, when you listen to uh, John Oliver, <laughs> who, who can be very politically driven and, and, and at times very funny, but, you know, is that, is that the same thing? Now I don't know who to like a David Letterman or something, you, you kind of think that, thinking now, is this, is this all been a lie? Mm. Oh, I've been listening to all these night show hosts thinking how great they were and whatever. And in fact, they're just characters, just like you're watching a Disney movie. And mm. my question to you, Mike, are you a Disney movie or are you a Mike Carboni <laughs> when you're out on stage there? Dave, I'm a touch tone is what I am. I, uh, <laughs> good for all audiences, 18. No, you know what? Uh, I have found um, the greatest success in my shows when I'm just myself, when I just act. I don't try to be a character or be somebody else. I do characters within the context of my show sometimes, usually on video, where I'll play a a character. Um, but it's usually um, an exaggeration of a character. For for, for it's funny, it, you know, and it's a short little quip, and it's and it's funny. But I, I found the most success. The best success I have is when I'm just acting normal, and because generally I like to to have fun all the time. You know, uh, if we have friends over, it's not well. How was your day today? It's not, never that. It's it's. There's always banter back and forth, and it's funny, and it's and it's fun, and that's just in my nature, I guess. So I I try to bring that aspect to the stage, which is not a character at all. It's just it is a performance, though. Well, I would imagine that that the the preparation is although it's it's slightly different you're still doing quite a lot of preparation whether you're you're just being yourself or whether you're you're switching into a character oh without a doubt um i i really 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 avoid trying to walk out uh on a show where i don't know anything about the the company or the people or what it's about you know i i don't like to do that cold at all uh i i it just does not work for me I, I do as much research as I can. I try to find out what's the issue, who's the who's the loud guy at the office, uh, who always shows up late, uh, who takes uh, casual Fridays, you know, to, uh, to uh, okay. So to how an do extreme. you how do you get that info? Like go to the office and and just wear a mustache and pretend you're <laughs> at the water oh, cooler. No, no. <laughs> no I, I I ask them to volunteer it to me. I I, I have a, uh, a like a document, a briefing document about. Uh, it's just this, it's the same thing you use when you're going to interview. If I'm going to interview you, Andrew, for example, I want to know first of all who you are, what is it your intended message, what do you want to say, so that I can help get that out. I'm not going to just cold sit down and start talking to you because it'll go off in a direction that they don't want or or that that's not what they wanted. They wanted you to talk about your new widget that you developed and why it's going to change the course of the company. So I need to know that, but I also want need to know some stuff about some inside stuff that I couldn't possibly know unless you worked at that office for four years. I Which attaches know. you to the company. And they go, boy, this guy knows us, yeah. you know? And this, guy, this guy's not just a, a hired actor. This guy actually gets it, you know? People, the, the highest compliment, the absolute highest compliment uh, is not you should have your own show. That, that's a funny one. But this one is true. Uh, I've had people come up to me and say, what, look at me, you know, after a show, and they go, what division of the company are you <laughs> right, in? Right, right. You know, and I just go, uh, I, I'm actually not with your company. I just did a lot of work to figure out what your company was all about. And they go, because you, boy, I, it's hard to believe. And then they walk away, and I think, I fooled them. Ha, ha, ha. I fooled them. <laughs> fooled them again, Jesse. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, they, nobody comes back to the front of house where we are. So what part of the company are you in? <laughs> I'm in the lighting trussing department. It's just past the guacamole dip in the back warehouse. Yes, but Dave, we, uh, we uh, the, the, the idiots on stage would be nothing without your lights and the good sound and the cueing and the blocking. Come on. It all ties together. Like when you've got a show that's all timed out. I've worked with 
other performers, not necessarily doing what you do, but where I do get involved a lot more where there's, you know, dancing and, you know, spoken word stuff that that's yeah. really in depth with timing. And, but that's more of a theatrical end of it that, that I do. It's more visual. Yeah. And, and, and if the, the cues, you mentioned the sound cue earlier, I used to do this thing called, you know, what if life had a soundtrack like the movies where every scene had appropriate music? And I'd set up the scene and then I'd, I'd start acting it out. And the sound has to be right at that beat. If not, you miss two seconds, it's off. There's something wrong. And the audience goes, well, that, was, that wasn't very good, you know. So having a, 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 a capable sound guy who understands what you're doing, listens and hits it, is gold. Same with lighting. When you snap your fingers and the light comes on as you asked to happen and it happens, it's gold. I've done, uh, what was the, uh, uh, Mar Martin Short, uh, we did a show with him in Vegas and he yeah. came in and he was just prepared. Like he just sat us all down around a table and said, this is what's going to happen. And it wasn't a question of, you know, does anybody have, have any other ideas or anything? This yeah. is what's, this is when I'm coming out. This is what I need here. This is what I need yeah. there. The lights are going to do this. And it's like, does everybody understand? Okay, let's go. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's quite complex, but you've got to be on your toes for it. I had that exact experience with him sitting around a table. I, I was hosting the sort of a business session, and then he was came on as a special guest at the end of it. But I sat into that to that round table, and you're at, that's absolutely what happened. He he just said, "Okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to start singing, and then you're going to cut the tape, and my voice is going to. I'm still going to be singing on stage, but no one's going to hear me. They're going to realize it was pre-taped, and that's the first busted. It had to had to happen right at the right moment." And they hit it, and they made them look good. So anybody who's mean to crew or disrespectful, I think, give your head a shake, man. They're, they're making you look good up there. You're not doing that on your own. You make a really, a really good point with, with that. I mean, they're, they're there to support you as a performer, and mm -hmm. it, it's, it is the little things that the performers bring to help us. So... You know, the amount of times that, say, Dave and I have been surprised when uh, a guest speaker comes out and doesn't want to rehearse, and five seconds into their performance, they walk into the audience, which is dark, uh, and start doing oh. the presentation Have you presentation ever done that, Mike? Have you ever audience? walked out into the audience and there's no <laughs> <Yeah>. light? <laughs> um, so Once on one of that, your shows, Dave, I think yeah. I did, yeah. <laughs> that, that happens uh, quite often. But it is, it is a really, really nice surprise when a performer comes in for their rehearsal time and says, I do a bunch of my, my piece from the audience. Do you guys need some time right now to set some levels so that Ugh. it's not as, you know, as jarring to the audience when they're looking up at the screens? And I love that. Yeah. When I hear that, when they want to take five, ten minutes of time just to make sure that they're not surprising anyone, it's fantastic. And the show yeah. works so much better. Oh, yeah. I, I try to make everything as easy, especially when I'm doing like tight audio cues, like that bit that I described about life soundtrack. There's probably 13 or 15 cues in that that have to be hit when I say a certain word, bang, it's there. You know, not a second delay. It's there. And so I write up a cue sheet with the actual words of what I'm going to say. And then I say, that's when you play this cue. And we rehearse it. And they go, okay, the sound gal say, okay, I got it. I go, let's do it one more time. Let's just do it one more time, you know? And they go, okay. And then they do it one more time. And then they get it. And I go, we're good. Now I'm confident when I walk out that they're going to hit that. That being said, have you ever had like one catastrophe that you had to really pull something out of your bag of tricks that you know that had to kind of save that show that you are so good on your feet that man well i'm at my second song and this whole thing has gone down now i'm just going to tap dance for five minutes well i i try to do and i learned this from johnny carson the master is you know when he'd do his opening monologue often he'd do a line and it would get very little response from the audience and he would then have a response to that where he'd pull the microphone down from you know the boom and tap it is this thing on or something like that where he would make he would acknowledge the fact that it didn't get a good laugh but he still got a laugh by the way he reacted to it so that's what i, I well, well that's what i need to do if something doesn't doesn't happen like that then i'll acknowledge it i don't i don't just ignore it going what 
we, we missed a cue? Uh, no, we hit every cue. No, we didn't. <laughs> 400 people in the audience heard you blow the cue. No, you didn't, you know. So you have to kind of, you have to pay the piper and say, yeah, okay. So you acknowledge it um, and you just, you know. But I've had weird stuff happen to me on stage. I, I've, I brought people up from the audience and I've had them faint because really? of whatever reason. Yep, I've had them just tumble down and boy try to continue a show after that after you know lou from sales goes down you know it's a little <laughs> oh gonna, poor guy all right well lou's gonna be okay mm -hmm. uh, anyway let's get somebody else up here you look like a hearty young man get up here sir you know and uh oh i've had uh i've had people freeze like i've had executives like top executives and i'm sitting at a desk interviewing them and i've got my seven questions that i'm going to ask them and i'm kind of romancing the questions and you know let's talk about the marketing plan because i know that a lot of competition out there and you know spending way more than you guys are spending and and i just you see it in the in the eyes you know and and they 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 freak out they they they, they clam up they they just freeze and this is where preparation comes in if i know what they want to get what message they want to get i can lead them to that message right, right. I, I can almost answer the question for them but in a kind of a I, I mean because don't don't you aren't you concerned about the spending level that they're doing versus versus us because you know and I'm almost giving him the answer and then usually they'll oh yeah uh, spending and then they're back on track but that's why preparedness is so so important in my view if you're ever working near the Hilton Anatole in Dallas make sure you get out for a burger at the rodeo goat we managed to get out there one cool evening after work and was lucky enough to grab three big chairs by their fire pit in the back patio. Sipping cold beer, eating one of their amazing burgers, and chatting with friends in front of a crackling wood fire, well, you can't ask for much more than that. They're located at 1926 Market Center Boulevard. It's a bit of a walk back to the hotel, but because of the size of the burgers, you might just be glad you did. Check them out at therodeogoat.com. And how do you transition this show to, to this environment that we're in now with the virtual world? Is it, was it an easy transition to host shows in, with, without a real live audience and without people next to you that you're interviewing? That must have been a pretty weird feeling. Yeah, it's... It certainly was challenging. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. Um, uh, when you're on stage in front of a live audience, it may look like a you know a single performance, or the, the audience is just watching. But the audience is actually by their response, their laughter, their applause, they are giving you feedback, and they are they are getting into your rhythm. And it's very much a back and forth with the audience, especially when you, you go walk out and you do the opening and you're just doing some material and something works and then you tag it out a little bit later on in the show or whatever. It's very much feedback from the audience that sort of pushes you forward. And when you take that to a basement and a green screen and a computer laptop, it's it, none of that's there. So it's, it's really, really hard. Um, it's hard to do comedy in the best of <laughs> environments right. uh, to, to do it where you virtually hear nobody laughing, no response. You, you just have to fly and think, I, I hope this is going to work. So that's when I, I mentioned earlier, I, I'm, I skew the online stuff to more, um, more hosting and, and moderating and um, pleasant to listen to, but it's not, you know, a yuck a minute show. It's, it's not, um, you know, I'm not ramming in, funny material if the opportunity is there because we still do interviews we'll do like we're doing now it's a virtual interview that we're doing essentially um so we I, I would still get feedback from that person and i would think well he represents the audience and if he sm smiled or grinned or laughed or whatever then the i'm sure the audience is going to find that funny too so it it is a, a a much bigger challenge for what i do to take it online um but the other thing that i've learned is that the elements are all the same. Like what works in front of a live audience, i.e. Uh, good lighting, good sound, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, cues that are, are hit and videos that roll when they're supposed to roll and, you know, you're on mute, you're on mute, you're on mute. You know, you don't want to hear that in a show. You know, it, 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 when things run smoothly, uh, those elements make for a good virtual show too. So I, I just said, well, what do we do in the live show 
that we can take to the virtual world. And well, the screen should look good. It should sound good. Uh, it should be seamless in transitions. You know, you're inviting, I would say to the clients, you're inviting your, your top, well, you're often the whole company to tune in for three hours on a Wednesday morning, you know, 10 to one. And you're asking them to tune in three hours of their time why wouldn't you do the best performance or give them three hours of something really good to watch on the screen as opposed to, you know, well, we're going to do a Zoom meeting. It's kind of like watching Dune. Yeah. How good is it going to be, right? It's like you're, you're, you're asking them to invest their time. Well, give them, make it worth their while, you know? The analogy I use, I'll give you an analogy because I love the analogies. It's like, uh, you know, a, a performance of guys and dolls, let's say, you know, Broadway performance of guys and dolls. Uh, Andrew, Dave, I'm going to take you to a performance of guys and dolls in my church basement. It's being done by the, you know, high school group uh, this Friday. Now, are you looking forward to tuning into that? Or as if I said, uh, Andrew, Dave, I've got tickets. We're in New York. I've got tickets to guys and dolls, third row on Broadway. You're going to be my guest. Do you want to come? Which one would you rather attend? It's the same music, it's the same lyrics, it's the same words, it's the same story. What's different? It's a different experience. Well, it's, it doesn't have a nice dinner in front of it. You're, you're going to Harvey's yeah. or you're going down to Momofuku in New York? There you go. What you're saying is very relevant because of the fact, when you look at, from our end, we try to make this transition to virtual events and the biggest question that we all had in talking about how we were going to make this shift was how do we give the audience the same type of experience that they would get at a live event the ballyhoos the sound you know the stingers the sound effects the full experience the full audience experience how do you get that when it's one person sitting watching it on a Zoom session. It's very, very difficult to get that to translate, if at all. Yes, sometimes I think with the with having a live audience, the audience kind of feeds off each other, so, but you can't do mm -hmm. that. You're, you're not feeding off, you know, Josephine in Peoria in her basement and, and Fred in Nantucket in his basement. They, they can't see each other. They can't feel that vibe, you know, where in, yeah. if you're in a live event, that you're you're sitting in a round or sitting beside people, and if somebody starts laughing, sometimes laughing is infectious, and uh, and makes you pay attention to what's going on on stage. So, it's uh, I think it's it's very important to have a live audience, and I'm hoping that this all comes back relatively soon. Uh, speaking of which, I I actually have to do a quote at some point for an event in the fall, another one. Wow. So there seems to be uh, some some bubbling up, whether they all happen or not. Um, I, I know more and more people are getting these second doses and, and what have you. I do believe, though, that there will be a very insular North America, um, Canada, U.S., Mexico, uh, for events pretty much up until beginning of 2022 or or even a little farther into that into 2022 just because of the international effect of covid hasn't quite had the same response the, the because of the vaccine inequalities i guess you'd say there's some countries that just can't get enough and and i hope that all changes so that everybody can have a fair shot at this but uh, in the meantime, there's probably some some pretty large events to be had in starting September through all of 2022. So uh, I'm hoping that we get to see a Mike Carboni on a stage at some point in, in the right. next well, 18 months. Speaking of that, Mike, have you? What is your experience? What uh, do you have anything on the books for the for the fall that is live? I have no live, not even any inquiries of live at this point. Um, I, I did a, a string of virtual stuff um, in the winter, you know, Jan, Feb, March, which is typically a busy season anyway. Uh, and then it sort of it, it, it uh, peters out a little bit in the 
in the spring and then the summer for me uh not a lot of companies do much in the summer anyway so this would be my downtime anyway coming into you know july and august but um i think it's going to be I think even with the vaccines and everything else, I think it's going to be a slow climb back up. If we'll ever get to where we were, I don't know, but I think it's going to be a slow climb. I, I think uh, a lot of people are still going to be very apprehensive about tra uh, traveling and assembling in groups. So I think companies are going to offer their people um, a, a hybrid option. Like you can, you can tune in virtually, or if you'd like to come and attend, we have X number of seats if you're the first ones to come or you, you get invited and you can either turn it down or say, I'll, I'll watch it virtually. I think that's going to be, uh, we got about uh, at least another year of that. I really do. Um, and if we ever hit full stride again, boy, wouldn't that be something? Because as you know, we've all done some phenomenally big, fantastic shows and they're fun and challenging and rewarding all at the same time. I was just reading, uh, just before we recorded, that uh, Guns N' Roses is coming out with like a full 20-city tour for this year in stadiums and, uh, wow. and arenas uh, for the starting, I think, in like September or whatever. So that there's probably a bunch of prep uh, to do. But there, the U.S., uh, Andrew can contest, there are like Vegas is fully open. Mm. Um, uh, like Cirque is back at it and, uh, you know, the casinos and they, they were, they were showing on, uh, TV and the news the other day that, you know, they, they said even Elvis has come back and they've got all the Elvis shows and they're <laughs> packed and nobody wearing masks. And, uh, and then you've got fully stocked NHL games, playoff games going with 18,000 people in them, no masks. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think. Part of this will be faster than we think as long as, say, the Delta variant doesn't grab hold and change the numbers. But I was really surprised to see the U.S. down um, to 13 or 14,000 cases uh, per day, down from whatever it was, the height. It was almost 300,000 a day. Uh, and here in Ontario, I think we're 450 cases, uh, today I it's know, dropping it's... like a rock. And all we can hope is that this continues and it stabilizes it at, at a low number and more and more people. Unfortunately, there are people that aren't, uh, not, not unfortunate for them or, or I'm not choosing sides in the battle, but, uh, there will be some people right now that will be left out in the next three, four, five months that uh, don't want to inject anything in their bodies that they don't know what it is. Um, and right now they're already talking about U.S., Canada, passport, uh, vaccine passports. Uh, Manitoba is, is already saying you can come in uh, and you don't have to um, uh, go into your 14-day uh, isolation if you prove you've got two vaccines. Hawaii is just passing a vote now that it is now open in Hawaii, um, or will be very shortly in the, in the next week or so. If you've got two vaccines and can prove it, in you go, no quarantine. So, so it is coming fast and furious. Uh, and I hope it's all true, but you know, anything could happen. There could be a little, little tripwire somewhere down the road. I, Mike brings up a good Andrew, point we have a that. guest who just opened his mouth. He wanted to say something. <laughs> no, no, Andrew, go ahead. <laughs> uh, going back to Mike's point about the, uh, the, the hybrid side of things is, is I think that that is not going away anytime soon. Clients that, that we've talked to have said that the, the virtual segment is probably going to continue. So yeah. if you do have, say, a thousand people going to a conference, they will have a virtual portion, you know, it will be virtually broadcast as well, so that the people who are not going to travel, don't want to travel, do not want to get vaccinated, can attend at the same time. So you could use this as a fantastic marketing tool too, because you could go, moving forward, moving into 2023, now you have an audience that uh, is live, and is paying like if you're at CES or if you're you know one one of these big events where it costs you 
your cost you or your company five thousand, ten thousand dollars to send an employee for a week down to the Orange County Convention Center or to Vegas or wherever. And so you send your high level people down there and let's say your company never goes and can't afford it, but maybe they can afford five hundred bucks for the virtual conference. And they get to hear the speakers live and they get to but they're just not there. And I think that is a is a great way of looking at what what this may become. I don't. I'm in total agreement with with both of you that that there will be live and then there will be virtual. And the virtual now, I could see being used as a marketing tool to pick up the people that can't afford the whole price to be there, but could attend the conference just like they're doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, now the last thing I want to do because we're running quite into a great amount of time that so I could chop this down and really make a good 15 minute show out of this. <laughs> um, why are you wasting my time? people? <laughs> I'm giving you gold here, Dave. Gold. Gold. gold I Don't worry. You. He just cuts us out. He just cuts us <laughs> out. And it's all you. Suddenly it's the Dave show. I know. I know how this works. Yeah. Well, I, I actually haven't turned your mutes off yet. The recording is just, <laughs> I'm just doing this by myself. But why, 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 I think it'd be a great time. I talk to you and I, as I do to all of our guests about a shout out at the end of our recording that might help some restaurant, lobby bar. Dave, I have a shout out. I, I, I have a shout. We've, we've got, uh, like you, I've been very fortunate to travel to far and wide across the world virtually with my little uh, silly little skits, as my mom would say. Are you still doing your silly little skits? Yes, yes, mom. <laughs> She's, but, she uh, must have picked that up from us at the front of house. <laughs> That's right. Oh, here he goes with his silly, silly little, little music skits, skit again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because... You know, try to explain what we do for a living to people who are not in the business. They just go, what? They pay you to, what, turn lights on? What? You yeah. know, they, they just have no clue as to, you know, what's involved. And it happens to me, or it used to happen all the time when, you know, they'd, they'd go back for Christmas or something and I'd see my aunts and uncles and stuff. And, you know, they'd be that, oh, how's everybody? And everybody be chatting. And then you'd see that awkward silence as they're looking at me, you know, to the corner of their eye. And then they go... Michael, what do you do exactly again? <laughs> you know? And then you just try to explain, well, I host this fake talk show for corporate. Oh, stop it. You do not do that. I'm, what channel is it on? Oh, never mind. <laughs> you know. But my shout out, I, I've, I've, I can't speak highly enough of this place. It's in Palm Springs. And I don't often get to Palm Springs to do shows. Uh, but there's a place in Palm Springs, maybe you know it, it's called the Purple Room. And the Purple Room is... Uh, like going back to the 60s, it's run by a guy named Michael, can't think of his last name, but it's like a 60s. In fact, the Rat Pack used to hang out at the Purple Room, and they have live music and martinis and incredible apps, and it's literally like going back to the to the 60s, in, you know, in the height of the Rat Pack popularity. It is fantastic. Best martinis I've ever had and they have you know mu jazz singers get up and you know all that stuff it's so great um and that was the that was the the playground of uh of frank and dean and sammy and all those guys so i and, love the purple and bob hope lived up the hill yeah yeah bob hope lived up the well palm springs was kind of like the muskoka of of California, that you know, if LA would would vacation in Palm Springs, yeah. the way Torontonians go up to cottage country, in into Muskoka and Halliburton and places like that. So, mm-hmm. it it is so fabulous that I, I just cannot wait to get back to the Purple Room because it's it's like going back in time. And you we would have a martini, and you'd look at the bartender now, and you say, "Do you have an app with that? Is there an app for that? Did I just blow that joke?" <laughs> You bet you I did. <laughs> oh, Dave. Wah, yeah. wah. Yeah, wah, wah, wah. Well, uh, I'm going to uh, wrap this up, Mr. Carboni. It has been so fun having you on and chatting, and uh, I haven't seen you in a dog's age, so just... I know. 
just just uh, having a it's it's like we're at the lobby bar, and that's really what the show is. As Andrew has contested mm. many times, and mm. we don't do it right at the time when we could have a drink. Uh, you know, that to me is more like six o'clock. Maybe we should just push this later. I think, and then we could, <laughs> you could we could twinkle the yeah, little ice cubes yes. in the drink. Yes. A whole different I, show. I, I think the profanity might get ramped up if we did that. So yeah, maybe we, yeah. But it's great. Uh, you know, you're, you're representing for us right now the stage presence of kind of the round the horn we're doing in live events uh, and i thank you that you accepted and you jumped on with us this has been a lot of fun guys i i, I when you when you called me you said <clears throat> it's like we're sitting around a lobby bar it's very really unscripted and i went perfect because i i don't want to do some stilted you know and then what happened mike you know it's like no <laughs> don't do that Let's just chat. Let's talk like like we do at Cabalanca. Uh, but uh, I, I so miss the live performance. I so miss going out, walking out and delivering a show for a, for an appreciative client. And I miss the camaraderie on these the, these shows that we would have, the, the crew lunches and the crew dinners that we would go out after it was all said and done. I just it was such a it was such a great vibe when we when we'd nail a show and then we'd all go out and everybody did what they do. And. We, we would have a ball. I yeah. just can't wait to do sure that would. again. Sure so would. thanks for the invite. It's been a blast. Well, thank you again. And uh, I will mute you. Uh, you can jump off. Andrew and I spent about four or five minutes laughing at how ridiculous our guest was and <laughs> with, with your mic off. Oh, <laughs> that curse guy. Andrew will say fabulous 10 times, and then we will, uh, we will uh, close off the show. So thanks again, uh, Mike Carboni, everybody. Cheers, guys. And away we go. And away we go. You know, Dave, the podcast really wouldn't be complete if I didn't say, that was fantastic. What a fantastic guest. <laughs> what a fantastic guest. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't know if the uh, that ten bucks that the guest pays us to say how good they are. I think we're starting to we're up to like a hundred bucks now, and I, we're going to donate that at the end of the month to the bar room of our choice. That was uh, that was good to catch up with uh, with him. As I said, I haven't seen him in well, it was like eighteen months, or I think we've been locked up and not doing any shows. And it was probably a couple of months before we shut down that I had seen him. So. So uh, what's next for you? What, uh, oh, I know. Uh, Hockey playoffs. Do we care no, anymore? You know, Do I'm, we care? I, I think that I'm finished with hockey for this year. It was rough because the Leafs kind of pulled me back in like yeah. they do every year you know at, at the at the end of, close close to the end of the regular season I start getting pulled back in with the promise of something better and then they're isn't but uh, you know congratulations to uh to the canadian who uh who went on to sweep winnipeg as well so it, it's uh, i i certainly have to give give credit where credit's due they played very very well so, they certainly did uh, that was the end of my end of end of my hockey season so i uh i think i sent you a note and i i will now verbally apologize to you because we did uh a recording it was just you and i and it was going to be a covid update all the rest of it and by the time i got around to really getting the thing ready to to uh put up on our um, on our page uh, we had, uh, during that recording, had a long discussion about how the Leafs were going to beat uh, uh, the Habs and how the Habs were, were done, and then we would just go on and conquer the Jets. And it turned out that by the time I'd had, had the thing ready, the, the, the Canadians were already 2 nothing up on the Jets, and it was, it was kind of a moot point at that uh, there. So uh, I decided we would just banish that one into the archives and and let's get going so now that you've said uh you know where the canadians are now they're they're they've beaten the jets and so we're chronologically stamping this episode and um so now i have to get this out fast because i don't want to and the crowned uh stanley cup winners are i don't want to but but dave think of the if you if you look at it you know, well, you can't be too positive. I was going to say you could always save the Leafs one for next year because it'll be the same again. 
but um, I, but sadly, that was our COVID episode, and I would rather not be talking yeah. about that next year. Yeah, maybe I can just take little clips. Yeah. The best right. of the best of David Andrews. No business like <laughs> no business. Um, and uh, so so that's it. Uh, looks like you've got a. I I believe you might be heading down to Desert Palm Palm Desert or. Uh, maybe in in the uh, later part of this year and now you have a, a new place to go to to check out That's the right. purple the purple room the purple room that sounds like I'm, quite a I'm looking neat forward place. to that I'm actually I'm actually headed to Palm Springs in July for 3 days to have a meeting about whoa what so there you go I might I might actually pop in 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 the summer well I think you should take this episode with you and just play a little bit of the, just so you just go, the reason why I'm here is because of this. And That's the reason right. why all of these people are here with me is because of this. And maybe you'll get a free app. <laughs> That's all I'd free. ever expect. Is, is there an app with that? Oh, I just got you your just, joke. No, I just, <laughs> it blew your mind. <laughs> On that note, I'm going to end this thing while you're still laughing. Excellent. Excellent. Dave, it was a pleasure as always, and I look forward to our next one. I'm sure I, I'm going to line up somebody fantastic for the next one. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew. Thanks, buddy. Take we'll... care. We'll talk soon. All right. Ciao. Well, Andrew, again, I'd say that's a wrap. We want to thank our guests for joining us and sharing their experiences. We would also really like to thank you, the listener, for your time and support of this podcast. And don't forget that we're all in it together, so help out where you can and support everyone going through tough times right now. We hope to see everybody back on the road soon. See you later. <laughs>